Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Nicole DeVincentis. I am the host and the coach of the Transformation Gold Coaching and Training Academy. It's awesome to have you here today. Listen, I got a little something-something for you, especially for my executives, my high-level executives, my C-suites, my top-level administrators, my people who are aspiring to work themselves up the chain towards those roles my industry leaders, my entrepreneurs, my individuals who have immense responsibilities, immense authority, (laughs) and your mind is like firing on all cylinders and you are unequivocally a high-level producer and a high achiever. I'm talking to you this morning. Welcome. It's awesome to have you here. If you've never been with us before, we built this as an online coaching and training academy a podcast version of it, because I know that you don't always have visual ability, that you're in the car, you're in between meetings, it's easier for you to plug in and listen than it is for you to necessarily actually read with your eyes. So our goal with most of our podcasts, all right, like the underlying goal here is to shorten the time period between what we call idea inception and execution. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that you, as a high-level producer, a high achiever, you're all about taking action. There's very few things that you sit and allow to like dilly-dally and things that you procrastinate on. There's either things that have your attention and focus or they don't have your attention and focus. That's pretty much, (laughs) that's how it is, right? But as you go up the chain, you tend to acquire more responsibility And it requires you to be multi-focused in the short term and the long term and in multiple directions out horizontally. And by the time everything is said and done, you end up at the end of the day in bed, kind of like on hyperdrive, unable to fall asleep. Your mind is in 12 different things. I forgot about this. I got, oh, wait, let me sit up. Let me make notation because I I have to remember to do that tomorrow. Right? And then you wake up in the morning time, maybe you either jump out of bed, you're still on like this adrenaline high, or you go immediately to your Keurig, or you go to Starbucks and you have like a a double espresso shot, and then two hours later you're having an energy drink, and then with lunch you're having those new supplements that they have that they promote like mental focus and intense like, you know, ability to concentrate and and get things done and energy. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) it's all right, you're among friends. I'm calling attention to the elephant in the room. I actually, if this is your first time on our podcast, again, I actually, I'm a registered nurse by history, by license. I've been one for over 20 years. I come from the emergency world primarily. Most of my time was spent in emergency capacity, critical care capacity with medical uh, patients, with traumatically injured individuals. I was a flight nurse on a helicopter. So I've had like my good share of being in a position Maybe not to the extent that you are, Um, you know, my role was not necessarily for a whole entire organization. You know, I functioned either making executive like life determining decisions for the patient or the patients who were in front of me, or if I was in charge in the emergency room. I worked at a trauma center, which was located outside of the city of Chicago. And what happened following 911, 9-11, was that we had, um, uh, what do we call it? I'm totally drawing a mental blank right now. <laughs> 
Does that ever happen to you? You get up in front of a group of people and all of a sudden, like, the word, it totally escapes you. We were doing tactics that, like, this is very, very early on disaster response that happened after 9-11. And because we were the first major medical center, major trauma center outside of the boundaries of the city of Chicago, we became a depot for the federal government and all of the disaster response like coordinations and operations, we became the hub because if anything ever happened inside of Chicago, the feds weren't going to put themselves right in the middle of a hot zone. They had to be out and removed from it. So we started to acquire, you know, more responsibility, had definitely more education and training on what to do if a situation, a situation presented itself downtown, and that obviously extended um, the, the magnitude of the responsibility of the charge nurse of the emergency room because we have responsibility for the patients who are there with us. We always have a knowledge as to what's going on inside of the hospital in the event a major situation, disaster would happen. We have to know what beds are available. We were also a burn center, so we also had to know what the situation of the burn center, how many beds they had upstairs, because um, we're only one of like two and a half burn centers in the state of Illinois. Um, so, you know, and we had to know what's going on in the community. So anytime there was issues pushing out from Chicago that involved drugs, you know, gangs, probably that dude El Chapo or whatever, like we had to know every single thing um, as well as what was going on in the community hospitals because of the level of responsibility that we had to be that hub. So... For me, I was not the point person. I was a point person and would have, you know, a very wide and vast team and working with executives, you know, of high level, such as yourself, as well as first responders through communication in order to take care of any problem that we would have. Okay, so again, I don't claim to walk your shoes I've been in my own situations and I've been privy to learn a lot about your lifestyle and, you know, what makes you tick. But ultimately, why I am on this podcast today was because I retired. I hung up my nursing clogs and my stethoscope back in 2014, mostly because as I was working as a nurse in emergency and critical care, I always felt pretty bad, like... I like the adrenaline rush of taking care of super sick people. And I know that probably sounds like demented and sad, you know, that somebody would really like the sicker, the better, the more screwed up anybody was like, the more I loved it. And I can only say that that was probably God's gift in that somebody's got to like to do it. (laughs) And all of us who worked in that space, we were all like highly charged and energized by taking care of the sickest of the sick. Because I know, like, for real, most people would be deterred at the sight of blood, much less, you know, the stuff that we saw. And as much as I loved it, the thing that I always felt badly about was that there always seemed to be this big gaping hole about overall wellness and, like, true recovery. And we have certainly seen healthcare, and I'm, gonna, I'm just a little bit historically where I come from, and then we're going to get to you, is that 
you know, healthcare has turned into this beast of an animal where it's not exactly how it was before, but sometimes what happens is you lose sight of the main thing. And when I made the decision to leave my 20 plus year career and build a startup company, really the intention was to target the people that I knew as my patients like the people from the community and do like community-based wellness. That was the intention. And what happened was those people never sought me out and never wanted to hire me. <laughs> the people who sought me out were my peers. The people who sought me out were the executives. The people who sought me out were the first responders and the people at the administrative level within those organizations because they had these ridiculous, crazy lifestyles. If you want to know, you know, the people in the medical world, like we're like the worst patients ever. <laughs> there's like healthcare and then there's like, you know, the healthcare worker is on a lot of medications just like everybody else's, you know, and really health promotion was never a leading forefront. I think the culture is starting to change a little bit, but you know, truth be told, everybody leads a high-stress lifestyle. The tendency of anybody who works in a servant leadership role is usually to put themselves on the back burner, especially as it pertains to health and fitness. You know, nursing particularly, it's a highly female-dominated environment, as, as most of you know, and that in and of itself lends towards just like, I think how a woman is genetically made is that we're caretakers. So we'll always put ourselves on the back burner. And again, it comes at the expense of your, of your health and your fitness. And so when I started working with my peers, you know, word of mouth got around. I started working with fire chiefs and, and it was with people who had just like a magnitude of medical problems and were still working and producing at high levels on a full-time basis. And it took me a while to catch on because really when I retired, like I didn't, I didn't want to work in nutrition. I've always loved it, but I didn't have, it didn't seem like it was a scalable business model for me. It just seemed like it was only going to be like one person at a time, you know, and in the back of my mind, building a startup company, actually it wasn't in the back of my mind, it was in the forefront of my mind, is that whole financial transition, is that I didn't do a lateral job transfer. And simply because I came to, you know, open up my own company with credentials, you know, and a pretty, what I feel is extensive track record of high achievements and, you know, vast knowledge base and experience that doesn't equate to generating money <laughs> when you reach the marketplace, right? You still have to have very intelligent conversations with the marketplace and up your value. And the thing that I didn't have full clarity of was what did I ultimately want to do with my company? I knew that I did not want to be a solopreneur. Like never in my mind did I want it to just be like sole proprietorship. I wanted to have a fully operational business that had multiple departments, you know, that was very vested in wealth, uh, wealth creation, but also for myself, but for the people that I worked with, like I wanted to generate jobs and, and stimulate the economy, but at the same time, I wanted to work in health and fitness, and I knew that that wasn't necessarily completely profitable from the one way, I and mean, it was like this whole thing. It really took quite a bit of time and a good amount of due diligence for me to like totally 
not even just get my feet wet, but to just completely immerse myself and let myself experience and learn about, you know, different avenues and decide exactly how did I want to carve my business out. And so after, you know, a period of time, um, and I should back up, I actually started out, I developed a gluten-free baking line. That was actually my lead business when I left the medical world. And um, it had been something that I had developed for a period of time. And not only was it gluten-free, um, I made it initially for myself because I required gluten-free. But then as time went on, I had two nephews which were born. And they were born with a tremendous amount of food allergies. And so I customized these recipes and I eventually developed them to be free of seven of the top food allergens. And my goal was to bring that to the marketplace. And ultimately, these, I mean, these cookies were so freaking good. You, you would never know. Like the, the best product was a chocolate chunk cookie. It was called a cookie pie. Like you could pretty much eat it with a fork and knife. It was so good. And... Um, while I was making that, I knew like I had done all the work. I had decided that I wanted this to be a global brand. I went and I met with a consultant and decided where I wanted to have my distribution centers. Like I did, and I did all that legwork. You know, I met with different um, markets, you know, Whole Foods and, and different places who already had a gluten-free following. But I got to tell you, I wasn't it really wasn't enough to wake me up in the morning. I mean, I, I don't know if it was just too simple. I don't, it just, it was just, I like the creation part of it more than the actual execution of, of everything that I had designed. And I, I, I'm not releasing the recipe yet. It's still proprietary. I've not decided what I'm going to do with it yet. But while I was making that, okay, Again, I always felt very strongly about wellness and fitness. What I did was, as I put together a personal and professional um, division for the people who were going to be my employees and a fitness division, because one of my biggest fears was that everybody was going to be eating these cookies all the time and they were going to become morbidly obese. And then all of my employees were going to have diabetes and high blood pressure and high cholesterol and have heart attacks and strokes. And here's me supposed to be like the wellness ambassador. So what I, th those two divisions, those were what I was developing. And before I left my, my last clinical job, if you would, in 2014, again, I had a pretty expansive network within like the first responder community, mostly with fire chiefs and people of, of that level. And I was just, you know, chit-chatting with them, kibitzing about, you know, plans for the future and what I was working on. And I shared with them this business idea so I was, you know, also looking for investors <laughs> and they all of a sudden like their ears perked up and they were like, you know, yeah, we love your cookies. Make sure you bring some more. But this professional development thing that you have going on here and this nutrition thing, like we want that in our organization. Will you help us do it? And so what happened was I was working with them to put up wellness initiatives in their own respective agencies. 
And if you know anything about like the first respondership community, again, culture is now changing, I think, across across the, the, the United States about health and fitness. But in the fire service, it is they're like the anti-health, okay? And the change is like, it's a, it's a rough go with them. So for these chiefs to step forward and make a decision, we want to put up a wellness initiative, I thought was very courageous of them. And for them, the, the know-how of, like, how do you construct a physical to, you know, test for fit for duty, like some of the advanced concepts about the health and fitness portion of it was beyond their scope. And so they had me come in. We, you know, interviewed different physicians groups to do different tests and then, you know, interviewed different physicians in order to take on the role of being, you know, the, the physician for their department. And it was, it was a pretty extensive job. We had cooking classes. We did nutrition classes for the crews. I mean, it was, it was wildly fun and they had fantastic results. I mean, they were doing body scans on individuals and then doing comparisons, I think 12 months apart once they were involved in like this whole departmental um, fitness, you know, and wellness initiative that they had going on, you know, because they wanted to really take care of their own and reduce what we call the line of duty deaths that are secondary to cardiovascular disease within the fire service. It accounts for nearly 50% of their line of duty deaths. So that was the motivation there. So, you know, I did that. It was wildly fun. I, I loved every portion of it. Um, that was actually where I started coaching on the group level. Um, but then they also brought me back to coach different individuals who were not meeting performance evaluations and work expectations. So some of the coachings that I had done were actually on like the performance improvement side of things and the organizational leadership aspect of things. And believe it or not, I, you know, left, I kind of tabled that thing. We had great, great results. Like people got their shit together. It actually communicated up the line. It turns out that their business had changed over the course of time. They did not have things structured appropriately within the organization in terms of logistics, in terms of time planning, in terms of operations and systems. And it caused like tremendous change within the organization to make that this one agency that I'm thinking about just like completely strong, like through and through all the way down, like horizontally, vertically, and ultimately impacted the surrounding department. So it was, it was awesome. Um, I left that job and then, you know, I went on my own way and did the baking thing. And when the baking thing wasn't really what I wanted to do at all, I thought to myself, I still got to make money. <laughs> Do I have any, you know, anything in my arsenal of tools and tricks and tips on how I can actually make money? And I, it occurred to me one day that, you know, all this stuff that I did with the fire service, that's probably a scalable business model. The question is, how do I do this? How do I get my voice out there? How do I interrupt and attract attention in what is really a society, like we're a busy society? Right. Like, and thank God, like technology has evolved so incredibly much. Like in 2014, the way that technology was set up, um, I was running five, four or five different websites. 
nutrition and fitness and personal professional development and I had my own personal one and one of the problems that I had was the first part was driving traffic to my site the second problem was causing a sale conversion it was just like all this information but I did not have like a cash register if you would I didn't have a store on any of my sites it was kind of cost prohibitive actually for the amount of traffic that I was driving and I couldn't honestly justify spending that much and I'm going to use that word spend from that it was not an investment it would have been a massive expense because I didn't have the skills or the know-how to drive traffic to my site I wasn't able to generate that much noise and so as time has gone on the technology has become just so much more friendly and so much more user friendly things are integrating better there's platforms which hold multiple um, functions where you used to have to have like three different platforms and then you had to have a special thing in order to get them to work together and then you know it looked different on a mobile device than it did on you know a desktop and then if something wasn't made to support Apple products it was only Windows based like things have come such a far time like like a far the growth has been exponential so now we have all these different tools and, and podcasting is certainly one of them we've got live streams up on different social media platforms like it, it, it's silly for me not to come forward with a business model it was just I didn't know how to do it and I didn't know how to market myself I wasn't sure who my niche market was like all the questions that you ask yourself when you're moving up the ranks and how do you forecast for the future you know you have this vision inside of your head but there comes there's this diff there's a gap right between where you see this thing and where you actually are you know you can work and work and work but the key is to be productive and to have productive work and take major chunks at a time and not just like these little bitty nibbles because the rest of the world is moving so incredibly fast and so what I'm saying to you is yes I come from this you know my background is medical of high-level performance and high stress and working flip-flop day nights rotation but on the other aspect of it I'm also coming to you as a business professional and I understand what it's like to have an operating budget and to be responsible for hiring and firing and understanding you know, the importance of culture creation and how much work you have to do to maintain the culture of an organization and then there's the operations aspect of it and then there's the marketing aspect of it and while you may have more developed teams than I personally have the responsibility is still the same and I understand what it's like to be living in the now and living two quarters, four quarters into the future. That's how your brain works. That's how our brain works. The more you know, responsibility you have, the more people you're responsible for, the more cylinders your brain is firing under. And unfortunately, what happens is it can wreak havoc inside of your body. I totally get it. Okay, so there's like the geeky science side of me, like I understand what's happening with all of us from a stress standpoint. I understand and can empathize with where you are based on past experiences from what I gathered in working with different hospital administrators. And again, first respondership, I think those guys are like the extreme because they're dealing oftentimes with literal life and death and they hold responsibilities for communities as well as their crews 
right? It's a little bit different than your responsibility for the life and the vitality of the organization that you serve, or it's your own, right? So everybody has like their own little pot in life, but at the end of the day, it comes down to, all right, what is this doing to my body, <laughs> right? Which is why you're on this podcast today. So today's podcast, you know, all that leading up to the point is, what do we do in terms of stress mitigation and making sure that we're doing everything that we can to keep ourselves healthy and well? Because we're humans and we're not robots, okay? So on this podcast I could certainly sit here and draw out like the gnarly and, the, and the, all like the, the drama about, oh, make sure you take care of yourself, otherwise you're going to have a heart attack and die, all right? I know that you're on this podcast, you're a very intelligent individual, you already know that. <laughs> you probably have either experienced that yourself or you know somebody who has. And if you have not championed your health or it always seems to get pushed onto like, I'll do that when, I'll do that when, I'll do that when, I also know that in the back of your mind, it's there. And you can divert your focus away and use your laser-like focus to ignore the elephant in the room for as long as you want. But let's face it, like eventually you got to face the beast. And probably at the same time, it probably irks you that you haven't fully championed this thing because let's face it, every person who is a high achiever, high level producer is, I don't know that we're wildly competitive per se. I don't think that I'm a competitive individual. I just like, like my plan is just to be the best. I really do not care about what other people are doing. I give no credence to how much more other people are preparing. It really is just me. I'm going to be the best. Like that's, that's just how it's going to be. That's it. So <laughs> I don't know that that's necessarily competitive. That's just a fact. Okay. So that means I will be working when other people will not be working. I'm going to pay attention to the, minost, my, uh, the most minute detail so that nobody is able to have well, maybe it is competitive. No one's going to be able to have competitive advantage over me. Like it, there's just going to be no competition. Like that's just the way that it's going to be. Okay. But it requires, of course, a great deal of attention, a great deal of pre-planning and a great deal of execution in the right direction to get the results. Cause you don't have the time or refuse to allocate the time spinning your wheels. Okay, but for today, we're talking about health and fitness. All right, now here's one thing that I know. Um, I know that as a high-level achiever and high-level producer, all right, we can have, we've got, two, we've got two modes of operation. For us, what's normal <laughs> is everybody else's, like, hyperdrive, okay? But our throttle, our just, like, idle is just, like, like faster than everybody else's, and then we have super high performance, Okay, I think you probably build up a tolerance to that. Okay, but underneath it, I would say like going back into like your childhood, you probably have always been that way. Okay, probably have been ostracized by friends and family as working too much, being too intense, uh, being a perfectionist, um, being too focused, being too driven. And, you know, what can I say? You're among friends. Okay, I think... I believe, I don't think I believe, I believe that that level 
of intensity and focus and drive, I believe that those are God-given gifts. I know that when you ignore certain things as a high producer, high-level achiever, such as your relationships, as most of us, like, I'll be the first to admit it. When I go into, like, production mode, and this is coming from a woman, like, I get laser-like focus and I do not allocate time to people who I feel waste my time or drag me down with gossip or things that seriously <laughs> do not matter. Like I don't donate any of my time or energy there. But that comes, as a, comes at an expense. Okay, by the same token, and I'm, I'm different than this now, is I know a lot of times as a high achiever or high level producer, maybe one of the things that consume a, a lot of energy that take away from your ability to produce is attention to your health and fitness. And so with that, like you're not paying attention to it at all. Okay. You know, eventually you reach a point. Okay. For me, it was kind of like everything hit uh, like at the same time as I didn't have many relationships in my life. I was producing and growing. It was like, nobody was doing the same things that I was doing. Nobody could understand like what I was talking about or where I wanted to do in the future. There was just like, it was, it was horrible, but it like no relationships. And then over here, there's like health and fitness. Like you always reach a point, something that grabs your attention and it causes you to stop your operations as this high level producer. Okay. It could be a family illness. It could be your kids are acting up like something always happens. Like until you master the lesson, like the universe will continue to show you that lesson over and over and over again until you make your executive decision. Okay. You know what? I'm going to face the beast and I'm actually going to do something about this. And the change always begins with myself. So it's leading yourself first. Right. And as Gandhi says, like being the change that you want to see. But change is hard. OK, especially when it's something that's like you've either let something go to a critical mass. So now not only is it just like normal, but now you're doing like damage control and you're having to like recoup and and rebuild like from like a subground level. <laughs> OK, and that applies to anything, right? Relationships, your health and fitness. This could even be financial. Right. Maybe you had like a tremendous like you lost your ass in your business and like you, you're rebuilding yourself from the subground level up. Like it doesn't matter. Like every single one of us goes through storms and rocky times and it's part of being human. You know, some things I, I think they come and they blindside you, but then other things are a direct result of our level and degree of focus and attention to the goal at hand. And it, it comes at the expense of other things, right? And then you get to a different place in your life and maybe you have a little bit more oxygen, you have a little bit more latitude with your time and where you're choosing to spend it. And now you can take that time and, and put it towards the areas where you have not placed yourself. And maybe that's why you're on today's podcast. Okay, because I'm here to fill the voids and, and start to rebuild or even build the areas of my life that I've been negligent of, that have not gotten any of my attention, things that have gone like totally terrible and now I have to do some major course correction. Or, you know what, it's time 
for me to like take on this area of my life. Like I speak to people from all different walks. I know everybody comes onto this podcast with different levels of experience, different reasons, your different different ages and I learned how to be able to speak with people from all different walks of life at the same time. Again, I credit the fire service with teaching me how to do this as I was actually an instructor for their continuing education and had providers, I was continuing education for their EMT license. So I had providers of different levels of licensure in the room, different years of experience at all times. And it can be hard to get all of their attention and have a very meaningful, impactful session because not everybody has the same vantage point or opinion or experience or knowledge. So when I coach and I train, I tend to move very fast. I tend to kind of like bop around from thing to thing because I know that everybody enters in a different place. Our initial work together is always what I call leveling the playing field. Okay, that drawing you in and allowing you to feel as comfortable as you would inside of your own living room. That's really one of my goals here and and having that level of comfortability with me as your coach. Okay, that's that's honestly like the precursor to like trust and rapport. And when that trust and rapport is there, as you know, that's when like dynamic and exponential growth can actually occur. Sustainable. Okay? Anytime there's like human factor involved there, that that's the requirement. Okay, so that's my first and foremost goal. All right, after that, anything else that we do, I consider to be like icing on the cake. And today what I'd actually like to do is actually dial in and chisel in a little bit more so on something that I I view as like a recovery strategy. Um, I usually will pronounce it or or market it as like a stress mitigation tactic or strategy. But ultimately, um, it it has to do with how how do you take care of yourself, all right, self-care so that you can remain high performance and not burn yourself out. Okay, how does that sound? Like, I know wherever you are, whatever you do for a living, whatever your work is, whatever extracurricular activities it is that you're involved with, you have a family, you know, personal things that you're doing, no one will ever be a harder critic on you than yourself. I know that to be true. Um, But what do you do to buffer some of those pressures, whether they are self-imposed, from where you failed to meet your own expectations. I know I gotcha. <laughs> you think that you're the only one, but you're not. Okay, or where did you, how are you, you know, buffering some of those fallout things that happen from operating as a high performance machine all the time? Whether you're traveling a lot, you're holding, hosting meetings, you have multiple responsibilities, high level of accountability, massive authority, however this plays out in your life. Okay, so with this particular training, um, I'd like to open by by saying one thing. Um, You're human, not a robot. (laughs) What did you say? Okay. (laughs) All right, let's call attention to the elephant in the room. Okay, when it comes to maintaining yourself as a high-performance machine, okay, 
you can only ignore the human factor of yourself for so long before you end up in a position where, I don't know, maybe you're admitted to the hospital for a hypertensive crisis, like your blood pressure is out of control, okay? Or you have a giant heart attack, God forbid, or a stroke, okay? Or you have a bleeding ulcer, or you have ulcerative colitis, okay? Like any of like the things that are going on, or you develop some weird autoimmune disease, <laughs> like where did this thing come from? Okay, I understand what that's like and I know what it's like to like be the person to always be in charge, always be leading the force and now you're dealing with your own thing and you know how to powerfully march other people through it but you always kind of forget in the back of your mind or just refuse to accept the fact that you really are a human being and there's really no reason why we can't just like eliminate this problem at hand. Okay, so I support that. I'm not here to change your viewpoint on that. What I'm actually here to do is to challenge you to take on a different perspective and say, you know what, okay, my body, it's really the only one that's given to me. And until we come up with the technology to turn me into the $6 million man or woman, <laughs> there's things that if I respect how the body actually works and work with it, it can actually put me in the position to probably be more productive and achieve things where other people cannot. They're going to like fall off because I'm going to outlast them, outperform them, outproduce them. And this is going to be something that's sustainable. I'm not going to ever reach that point of burnout. I'm not going to reach the point where my adrenals have pretty much shut off. I'm not going to reach the point where my thyroid hormone is all jacked up and my hair is falling out and my nails are peeling off and my skin looks terrible and I'm having headaches all the time and my neck is so tight I can't even turn my damn head anymore. <laughs> like My stomach is all upset. I either have diarrhea or I'm constipated or it's one in between. Like I don't even know. Okay, I, I'm not afraid to talk about anything. Like, I'm an ER nurse, for God's sakes. Like, really, like, no topic which is off of, off of limits here. I will bring it up to you. But I know that those are the things that go on with you, all right? As I was deciding on where I wanted myself to move as a coach within my own academy, Right? You know, you're always supposed to pick like a target market, like a niche, like a niche market. Okay. And I've got, you know, goals and initiatives that I, I want to see with different populations. But for me, there, as much as I wanted to work in those other places, it wasn't the right match. Where I always find myself tracking back to, and this is of no disrespect, you know, to anybody else is... By nature, I am a high producer and a high level achiever. And it makes perfect sense for me to be working with my own people. Like, I understand the intricacies of your 24. I know what it's like for you to travel around. I know that if you, let's say you come from um, tech world now, like you guys are immensely busy and women, you're immensely busy. You've got all this screen time, plus you're doing things like building your team and, and you're, you're 
I don't know, building, I, I don't fully understand the tech world. I just know like the physiologic aspects of it, but you're running a business and then you're operating inside of tech. And physiologically, it has a lot of stress stress effects inside of your body, having that much screen time, working in an environment which moves as fast as the tech world does, whether this is, you know, development, whether this is problem solving, whether this is moving into like e-commerce or even like uh, internet marketing, like anything that has to do with that. And then like the gaming industry, like it's so fast paced, like it causes marked problems with you physiologically can cause your brain to be just like on complete overload because you got to pull yourself out of that, that world. And then you're dealing with people and people are stupid and like, I totally get it. Okay. So I'm here <laughs> to tell you number one, you're amongst friends, but number two, let's have a very intelligent conversation here on how do we maximize our potential? Okay. Smartly. Because I know all of us, we're not afraid of work, right? Give us, give us something to do. You probably don't even have to give us something to do. We're going to set goals for ourselves and we're going to go to work and we're going to outproduce and outwork everybody else. That's just the nature of the beast. That's who we are, okay? You're not going to be able to change that. It's like in our DNA. And if we can't do that, we will probably die, okay? <laughs> okay? Right. It's the same with athletes. Okay. You tell an athlete that you can't train, like you might as well just tell them that they're dead because it's just like, it, it crushes the spirit. Okay. So I'm not here as a spirit crusher. What I'm here is to, to give you some tactics and strategies again on how to remain high performance and not hit that tail end of like adrenal burnout and fatigue and you know, all the ramifications of that. Okay. Like mental tranquility, mental clarity, Remaining in your power, remaining high function, remaining like constant, predictable energy for the long term. Okay? So let's do this. What I'd like you to do if you're sitting down, okay, or standing up, wherever you are, just be careful if you're driving, please, is I'd like for you to sit up taller or actually stand up if you're able to do so. Stand up taller, like lengthen your spine. Okay? If you're standing, Stand what we call midfoot, okay, so that your weight is actually distributed equally between the right and left sides, between the front and back. And I want you to imagine as though there's a string on the top of your breastbone, on the top of your sternum that's like lengthening your spine. Don't totally arch your back, but like lift it up towards the ceiling, okay? If you're sitting, okay, you're lifting your torso and your chest upwards, okay? What I want you to do is I want you to move your chin and your gaze so that you're not tucking your chin down. My textures, <laughs> my computer people, like put it up, okay? So your head is neutral and I want you to put your eyes directly forward. All right? Now, if you're standing, even if you're sitting, at this point in time, you might actually have a little bit of tension or tightness or a weird kind of twinge happening in your low back. Okay, if that's you, guess what? We've already discovered a problem. <laughs> Houston, we have a problem, okay? Something that you probably already knew. But what can happen through the course of time of poor posture is you become slouchy, 
okay? If you're hovering over a desk for any number of reasons, if you work a job where you're leaning forward, think about this from a scientific standpoint. Your head, how much does the human head weigh? That's a fact I should probably know. How much it, how much it ever weighs? It's got to be what? At least 10 pounds, don't you think? Like a full adult like head with the brains? Let's call it 10 pounds. I don't know what it is. But it's suspended up on your neck muscles on top of your spinal cord. Okay? And your, your vertebrae, your, your spinal bones. And you're defying G-forces by staying upright. When you lean forward, you're actually taking your center of gravity and knocking it out of whack. Okay? And you're incurring a lot of stress on the muscles which are on the front of your neck in order to keep your head up and not allow it to like conk, like fall onto the ground because it weighs whatever it weighs. Okay. What that does is it increases the workload and the tension on those neck muscles. All right. Then what happens is you usually start to curl your chest and your shoulder blades forward. Now, if you're right-handed, what also happens is that you usually are pretty strongly right arm dominant. Okay, if that's you, what also happens then is that that right shoulder blade tends to curl forward and towards your midline. So you become what we call anteriorly and medially rotated. The shoulder moves forward and towards the middle of your body because you're reaching for stuff with your right arm. My left-handed people tend to be more ambi. They're more ambidextrous, so they don't have as marked problems on the right side as my people who are like hardcore right-handed dominant. Okay? Now imagine this goes on every single day over a period of time. What happens is that your body starts to take on that shape. Unless you're diligent about training yourself, okay, like physically training yourself, flexibility, mobility, resistance training to strengthen the muscles on the backside and practice good posture to keep yourself, you know, upright. So you get like a hunch and you get, you know, forward rotation of that shoulder blade. Okay, so that's just like posturally what happens to you. But now I want you to also think about what happens inside of your chest cavity when you're leaning forward like that. When you're leaning forward and slouchy like that, I know everybody now, you're probably sitting there, you're like sitting up straight, like, oh no, I'm good. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I've been doing this for years and years and years. I just bust everybody all the time. All right, but think about this in all seriousness. How much room do your lungs have to expand when you're leaning forward like that? <laughs> like it's humbling, right? You start thinking about this stuff, like the bare basics. Okay, how much room are you giving your heart to pump when you're leaning forward like that? Okay, as of now, like we've got you open. Okay, there's more room for your lungs to expand. Your heart isn't all squished inside of there. Okay, so now if we were to think about this from a common sense standpoint, which is going to, at least in some level, work to keep you from a cardiovascular standpoint a little bit more healthy? if you have great posture, okay? Or letting yourself become like, you know, who's that, the hunchback of Notre Dame, okay? Where everything's all like crinkled up inside of there and, and compressed, <laughs> okay? So posture, all right? That's one thing that's gonna help you. It's gonna help you, all right, keep your, keep your body feeling good, 
okay? And if you're having a hard time with it, it's just because you're undertrained right now. We got to do a little bit of corrective work on that. I've got something for you. I have a whole, actually a whole entire program, flexibility training. Um, it's spelled different. It's a flex with a double X, like the ability to flex. <laughs> but it incorporates mobility. It incorporates strength and balance, deep core muscle recruitment. Because what you're doing all day is you're overcoming G-forces. Okay, and we want to keep you like strong and durable. Again, so you're a high performance, high level achiever. It helps to improve your status from a cardiovascular standpoint just by the simple fact that it allows for greater what we call thoracic expansion, expansion of your rib cage, of your chest cavity, lets you get more oxygen in. Shit, you know you need that. <laughs> it gives your heart a little bit more room so it's not like all squished up inside of there. Okay, so it helps you from a cardiovascular standpoint. Okay, now here's the other thing. Great posture actually helps you from a leadership standpoint. All right, when you have somebody who walks in into a room and they have great posture, it's usually great posture is usually equated with a high level of confidence and certainty. Right? And that person's getting ready to do a sales presentation. That person's getting ready to talk to the board. That person's getting ready to, you know, do a, like a verbal proposal or whatever. Somehow gain cooperation from the people in the room. Chances are you're going to listen, pay a little bit more attention to him or her just from a body posture standpoint than you are if somebody walks in as like this feeble, like, you know, hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay, and I speak to the rule, not to the exception, okay? So by just you improving your posture, like we've already said, like you're improving like your core, your spinal function, you know, your, your strength over time, your cardiovascular health, but now we're talking about how you position yourself and how you command a room. Posture is like everything, all right? So one thing that you're going to be able to do every single day to improve your posture is what we started already, and that's just to, to assume the standpoint of what we call midfoot, midfoot standing so that your weight is distributed equally between the front and back, right and left sides, lengthening your spine, okay? If you're sitting, sit up, you know, taller. The next step is for you to take your shoulder blades, <laughs> and then I know this is a rough one for you, okay? Traps down, okay? Shoulder blades down and back. All right, when you lean forward, you cause your shoulder blades to jut out like a dorsal fin in the back. Okay, you cause the back side of you, your rear delts, okay, the little parts of the backs of your shoulders, like everything gets all stretched out inside of there. And usually what happens is that especially for my guys, when you're complaining of tension in and around your neck, Okay, like at the base of your of your neck, like you know where your traps are, like that's where you hold. You guys are major stress balls inside of there. Okay, like look at how you're sitting. Okay, like your poor neck is trying to support your gigantic heavy head because you're leaning forward and you're like, okay, midfoot, lengthened spine, shoulder blades down and back. And then lastly, draw in your abdominals. Okay, tighten those babies up. You know your six-pack that's in there? It's in there. Okay. 
all right? What you're actually going to be doing is you're going to be strengthening, okay? Your core is not just abdominal musculature. There's way more to what your actual core is. But just on a daily, if you can start yourself in that sort of postural training, if you would, that would be a nice way for you to step into this thing powerfully. And you, like, grow, like, a half an inch just by doing this. I swear to God. <laughs> it's, like, so exciting. Okay? <laughs> right. The next thing is this, all right? The next thing is what we call the power of the breath. And what you're going to be doing from this lengthened spine, you know, position that you're in, and please, if you're driving, like, drive with due regard, okay? Whenever I speak, I don't want anybody being like, well, Nicole said, okay? Please be smart about what you're doing here. <laughs> all right, what I'd like you to do is take your hands and place them at the center of your chest in a prayer position. Okay, and all we're going to do is we're going to take a nice couple of breaths in and out. All right, and as we breathe in, we're going to be pushing our hands up straight. And then as we exhale, we're circling our arms down and around. Okay, so again, your midfoot, spine is lengthened, shoulder blades down and back, hands at the center of your chest. Take a nice breath in, inhale. And exhale, down and around. Again, inhale, exhale, down and around. Again, in, and out. Come on, one more time, inhale. And exhale. All right, you with me? Feels kind of good, right? All right, if you're ready for this, here's some geeky science stuff. When you're in stress mode, okay, or when you're in high performance mode, what actually happens is you push your body, namely your nervous system, into something called fight or flight. Okay, you've heard of that before? It's like governed by adrenaline, all right? Makes your heart rate go faster, makes the force that your heart is actually pumping be much harder, makes your blood pressure go up, causes all kinds of demands on your body, it uses more oxygen, uses more energy, uses more water, like it, it, you go, boom, 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 okay? You have to have a braking mechanism, okay? Because eventually what happens, my humans, not my robots, is you actually exhaust because you run out of your resources. Whether you run out of energy, you run out of oxygen, you just put yourself into overwhelming state of fatigue and you like knock yourself, you're, you end up sick and you're like literally out of commission for like 14 days. I know you've all been there before, okay? You have to have some sort of a breaking mechanism inside of your body and guess what? There is one built in, okay? So you've got the fight or flight side of your nervous system and then you have this other side it's usually known as feed or breed, but really what it is, it's a braking mechanism. So fight or flight is like the gas pedal. It's the accelerator that puts you from, you know, zero to 60 in 0.2 seconds. It gets you moving faster than a Ferrari. And then you have the braking side, which allows you to chill. Okay. And one of the things that you can do to move yourself from stress city into mental tranquility, mental clarity, is just that exercise. It's the power of the breath, 
okay? The action of taking those slow, controlled, deep breaths, okay? It can't be like, <sighs> okay? If that's where you're at, like, probably going to have to do more breaths, okay? <laughs> but when you're diligent about it, and I know when I was working again with those fire chiefs, I'm telling you, they all said it. They're like, you know what? We even use this training with our guys and gals when we teach them about their SCBA, their breathing apparatus, on how to like, they put it this way, like we got to teach them how to get their shit together because they're all nervous and jacked up and excited when they're getting ready to go into a fire and they become a liability. So we got to get them, we got to, you got like, Put them on, put them on lock a little bit here. We have to teach them how to breathe. Otherwise, they're going to be consuming their whole entire tank in like seven minutes. And those, you know, we got to have them last in there at least like thirty minutes. So the fire chiefs would even say, "We train our people on how to do this," but I forget. Like I forget that I need to breathe too. <laughs> so it's always humbling, you know. I usually teach you things that you I don't teach you rather things that you have never heard of before. I usually revisit the basics. Okay, maybe present it in a way that you haven't heard it before, but to remind you that it's those simple basic things. But the basics, like who was it? It was a, a baseball coach. Was it Lee Holtz, I think? He said, like, the future is formed on the foundation of the fundamentals. I'm probably off by a couple words, you know, but it's like the basics are key. You know, as a leader, you are responsible for other people, but you're responsible for yourself. You know, and you have to have some sort of uh, an arsenal of tools to draw from when you are up against the wall, right? And you can certainly do that just with the power of your breath. It doesn't require money. It doesn't require more than what, maybe 10, 15 seconds. You know, maybe you're not in a place where, <laughs> where you can do like the whole arm thing, you know, unless you know, like me, I don't care. I'll do it wherever I am. I, I, <laughs> there she is doing that yoga breathing again whatever, but maybe that wouldn't be, or maybe it would be a fun thing to do before your next board meeting. I don't know, but you have that now and wherever you are stuck in traffic, you're getting ready to do a presentation or whatever. What it actually does is it puts you into your own unique position of high performance. Okay. Whether you need a little bit more adrenaline and that's usually not my experience with you guys. You guys usually need to like drop a little bit and get into a place where you are calm, cool, and collected. And the power of the breath, hands down, does that for you. It's a part of your nervous system and it causes heart rate to drop, causes blood pressure to relax, go back down to a normal level. Hello. Reduces the stress hormones, okay, and gets you just feeling overall good. How's that? Unfortunately, we're out of time. <laughs> so here's what we can do. All right. If you have received value from this podcast, thank you for joining us today. I am so appreciative that you've been here. If you've received value from this podcast, I am a high performance coach. All right. I'm not the coach on how to get you to do different things, high performance. I operate more so on the optimization, like the physiologic optimization, mental clarity and restorative aspect of what you do every day. Okay. That's where I decided I was going to place myself as a coach. So if you would like to coach with me, 
if I could be of value to you, your organization, your next step is to contact me directly. So go to our website. It's transformationgold.org, like transformationgold.org. All right, the Contact Us button is at the top. Fill out the required fields there, and either myself or somebody from my team will get back to you within 24 hours. I get notification of every um, contact submission. You know, it doesn't matter if my gatekeeper has it or not. I still see you, okay? And it would be my immense pleasure and an honor to serve you. So thank you for joining us on this podcast today. Again, this is Nicole DeVincentis, Transformation Gold, Coaching and Training Academy. Make it a great day. Take care. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.